Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim. If you don't know me, I have the pleasure to be uh, sharing with you this morning. I noticed a strange thing yesterday, and it's been a series of strange things that have kind of culminated into, I guess, a significant realization in my life. The first was, must be 25th of February, I turned 30 years old, and I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is the start. This is where, well, not the start. This is a well, this is well into the innings, so to speak, but, and it was, uh, things were fine, but um, then the other the other, the other week it started raining, and I was like, oh, this would be good for the tanks. You know, we're on water tanks, right? So it's like, oh, I was thinking, thinking forward, thinking this is really good for the household, that kind of stuff. Then must have been like three weeks ago now, I noticed myself on a Sunday night, like just wearing this attire, like a sleeveless vest, which is functional and comfortable and practical. It's like, because you get warmth and a full range of movement. And then it got worse because... Like, I've developed a, a real penchant for a real, like, d- a desire to wear running shoes every day of the week. Like, it's bad. Like, it's bad. They're just so comfy. Like, they don't make my feet hurt. And the, like, and then the worst thing happened yesterday, and this is, the, this is the clincher. It got to the end of the day, and, like, I realized it's a Saturday. It's, the, it's my day off, you know? Not that it's ever really a day off the, more, the day before preaching, but it was a day off. And it got to the end of the day, and I was like, what did we do today? We picked up some wood for a fence. I mowed the lawns, we rug doctored the carpet. Was, this has been a Saturday of chores. And it's like, for years, for years I've really like felt compassion for all the parents in the room, and particularly the Kiwi male who just does chores all, any day off, right? And, and I was like, oh no, oh no. Like, and then the more disturbing thing is, I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed the whole thing. And I was like, oh no, like what is going on? I've, like, that's four things, like, like. I'm officially middle-aged now. Like, this is, this is, this is, it's not good. Like, it's not good. Like, so hopefully there's some maturity, maturity in this conversation. Zoe left me this morning, finally, as well. She, um, she's after a conference in Wellington, so she sends her love. She can't be here, but, um, oh, I feel, I was like, I feel like a bit like a lost puppy, like, with her going, what do I do with my life? But who knows? Who knows? Um, just a thing that wasn't in the notices, but is pretty cool. Next week, which is the 30th, we've got one of my friends from Tear Fund. His name's Dale. He was a pastor at Northcote for a while. Um, he's coming to share his on-the-road kind of story around the Good Samaritan. So if you're around next week, we've got a guest speaker, which will be pretty exciting. Um, and then we'll, yeah, he'll just share a bit of stuff. So make sure you're around for that. That'll be great. But today, I'll start off. Today, we're talking about Pentecost Sunday, which is which is today, which is a real, a real coincidence. Well, not coincidence. It's been planned very specifically that way. But it's, it's interesting, this message today, when I've been thinking about it, because like this, this particular, this isn't, this whole realm is like often the realm of like um, the Holy Spirit and miracles and all this kind of stuff, which isn't particularly my wheelhouse. It's not where I kind of lay, like I grew up in a Baptocostal church, right? So I, I like, I'm, I'm open to like all this kind of stuff. But me personally, I'm, I'm kind of like a not that emotional, not that, like, not that the Holy Spirit and emotions are the same. But, like, I, I'm, so it's been interesting. It's been interesting reflecting on this this week. Um, 
And for us culturally, I find in many ways, and I, I wasn't around, right, but it seems as a previous young adult, now middle-aged, like a lot of our approach to church, it seems like we're almost in the hangover of the charismatic movement, and a good hangover, right? But it's, it's always like the 80s or the 90s, there was this happened there, and then there was this town rally, and it's like late 2000s and um, the 2010s and 2020s, it's kind of like, feels a little bit like twiddling our thumbs, like just what's going on here? Like there's all the war stories of the past, but there's an interesting season where, where for my generation, we hear the memories of that and maybe the occasional flare-ups of what happened, but I find it really interesting and I got no answers for that kind of stuff, right? So um, we'll explore some of that today, um, not too much in depth, but also after the message, I think we'll go in, we'll, we will go into a time of ministry, I think, however that looks, I'm not sure. So I don't know if you've had a word or a picture this morning already, or if one comes to you in the, during the sermon, just, just file it away, and maybe we'll bring that out later on. I had one came to me, um, I just had the image of a pine tree, so, and then I was exploring that, God, what does this mean? So I get the sense that there's at least one person in here where essentially, like, you've, your life's been colonized by a foreign entity and, and you've been living a story that's been told to you rather than your own story. So the image was that the pine tree was getting cleared away and there's going to be native bush returning, but it's a real destructive process where, where it needs to be logged away and then there's time that needs for healing. So if you feel that there's a sense of like, that's you or that kind of stuff, I'd love to pray for you after the service. So um, if you have a word or a picture or an image, um, tuck it away and we'll bring them later on in the service. Um, that cool? Cool. Awesome. So Pentecost Sunday, it's a really, so this is a really significant time in the church calendar. Um, but two dilemmas with Pentecost in general and the Holy Spirit that I want to uh, acknowledge um, before we move forward is, is we can become so obsessed with things of the Spirit, thing, gifts of the Spirit, healing. We can become obsessed with speaking in tongues and the, the drum wars, drums in church, drums not in church, worship. You know, like there's a really interesting thing, like I'll explain what Pentecost is and what happened, but there's all these miracles, there's a miraculous, right, which is a significant place in the church, but they can present a real danger of becoming everything, and we become obsessed with them, right, like, and we've seen it, the, the, the verse Vic shared last week on ascension, and Jesus says um, that you will handle snakes, you know, in my name, and it's interesting, there are churches that handle snakes as an act of worship, and I think statistically they've got a higher death rate from snake handling, like, like interestingly, like, uh, this can lead to spiritual bypassing, like, we can become obsessed with the things of the Spirit, and lose touch with reality where everything becomes, well, I'll pray about that or I will pray for it. So we don't seek medical help because um, God will heal that. And then sometimes, yeah, sometimes it doesn't. It seems to me, say, with um, the, the, the pandemic that there wasn't a special protection for Christians within um, the deaths in the pandemic, but it did seem to make a statistical difference if your country was led by a woman. So I'm not sure what that says, right? But like... Um, but with, with the spiritual, with that kind of stuff, we can, we, we can become obsessive with it. And other times, live in fear, right? And look for demons behind every door, that everything's spiritual. Like everything's a spiritual attack or there's spiritual warfare. It's like sometimes it's just a gust of wind, and it's fine. Like the door just slammed, and it's late at night. You'll be okay. Um, but the other issue we, we, we run into is avoidance, you know? And this is my, this is like, I'm, I'm much more an avoider. This is the too hard basket, right? Like the issue being that if we want to take Jesus seriously, if we want to take following Jesus seriously, he seemed to spend a lot of his time about this stuff, about healings, about um, the spiritual aspects, you know? And there are times in our life, as much as it's, in, it's inconvenient to my worldview, which just wants clear answers, that there's this space for the spiritual and this space where 
random stuff happens, you know, like where the heaven and earth collide in a way, and it's like, it just disrupts me. It's very, like, it's very unfortunate when God seems to perform a miracle in front of me, because I'm like, well, this is not good for my, this means I'm not in control. This means there's like, this, this world is just foreign, and like, for every prophetic word, which is like, there was a rainbow and a dove and a waterfall, like there are other times, well, I, I say that as a joke because that's every prophetic word, but it seems to be rainbow, dove, waterfall, but like there are prophetic words that just hit the, hit the mark. I mean, once, oh wow, why, one I've had and received, I wasn't sure how to take, it's like, you've really got the heart of David. He made a lot of mistakes. Like, he, he was a bit, he was a bit, he, he made some bad decisions. So I don't know. I think they were talking in the context of worship. But like, so, yeah. But another one was, it was just um, some of the elders of our church once. But this is way before I was preaching or speaking. They're like, we get the sense that you're going to make complex things simple for people to understand. And I was like, well, that's true. And alternatively, I think I do the opposite as well. Where I make the very simple, very complex as well. But like, there are times where prophetic words are just, Wow, I'll, I'll leave that there because that didn't make sense. But there are times where it just speaks to our hearts, the exact same thing we need to hear in season. And um, so for myself, I'm, I'm passionate about like science and psychology and that kind of stuff as well. So like that can make me avoidant as well. But there's an aspect that even if this is all in our brains, something had to create our brains, right? Like just because we can prove things. There's parts of our brains that are, we're designed for faith. We're designed for religion from a scientific perspective. There's aspects of our brains through prayer practice that can grow and develop. And yeah, so it's really interesting when you look in terms of spirituality and neurology and that kind of stuff as well. So, two dilemmas. That's, I'll outline those now and just name them that we can be obsessed or we can avoid, and both of them are uh, touchy topics. But with that said, let's look at the story itself. So, Pentecost. So, Pentecost is a week after Ascension, and it's, it's 50 days, essentially, after the Passover feast, right? So it's a Jewish festival, and it's called the Feast of Weeks, which was the wheat harvest. But interestingly, Pentecost was a Jewish festival that also commemorated the gift of the law or the Torah, the Ten Commandments, on Sinai. So way back in the Exodus story, um, the Jewish people were liberated out of Egypt, went to Sinai, Moses went up the mountain, chatted with God for a few days, came down, and that was the giving of the law, giving of the Torah. Um, and this festival, Pentecost, was the celebration of that, and it was a wheat harvest. So in the text, we have the disciples gathering all the way back at Passover, the night before Jesus' arrest and crucifixion and resurrection. And the same thing has happened, um, the same thing, and yeah, so that, that's the Passover feast. Then 50 days later, we come to Pentecost, which was another festival. So there's just, this is two feasts that are, that are happening, right? So, um, yeah, 50 days after Passover and Easter. So they're gathering again in the upper room. They're feasting together. The, whole, the city's full of visitors and gatherers and tourists and pilgrims. It's a pilgrim festival. Like, people gather for this. Um, and it's two feasts, right, which makes it interesting to me. And this is just a little thing I was observing. God seems to enjoy moving at camps and conferences, and this is now, this is at Easter camps now, this is at um, church conferences now. But it also seemed to be like, we'll see in the story, but he seemed to like moving it at feasts, uh, feasts and conferences back then as well, right? I don't know the psychology of that, but I find it really interesting. He's got, a, he's got an ability just to move when people gather, you know? So um, I'll go into the text, Acts 2. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force, no one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit 
prompted them. Uh, and just a few things I want to point out there. Like a wildfire, this is the message translation. In many other translations, it will say the fire distributed itself above each of their heads. Or will say something to that effect. And if you look at the artwork up there, it will often have the fire just depicted individually above everyone's heads. And that will matter later on. Um, and then they started speaking in, in a number of different languages. Uh, the other word for that is tongues. But essentially, in the Greek, the word is just languages. Languages and tongues is the same thing. So when we say speaking in tongues, it's just speaking in languages. It's, um, the text, what the text says. And there were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard, one after another, their own mother tongues or languages being spoken, they were blown away. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? And then uh, the writer lists all these different uh, races, nationalities, areas, locations, ethnicities. And this just represents the ends of the earth that they knew at the time from around the Mediterranean, around the Levant, around all that area that everyone had gathered and everyone's hearing these languages. These languages from the ends of the earth, God is translating and speaking to people through this despite uh, ethnicity, despite color, despite all this. That something interesting is happening here. And they say they're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? And others joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. Other translations would have, they're drunk on new wine, which is interesting because new wine is one of the symbols of the kingdom coming. It's one of the symbols that Jesus talks about. And then in the text, and I'll skip over this um, just because otherwise that would make it a 10-week series. Uh, Peter then preaches the sermon with lots of references to the Jewish narratives. Um, so the other week when I was talking about Paul's preaching, who didn't really mention the Jewish narrative, Peter in this text, he preaches a heavily Jewish story. He references all the Abraham, David, all these figures within the lineage and how Jesus relates to them in the resurrection. And then he goes on to say, all Israel then know this. There's no longer room for doubt. God made him master and messiah this Jesus whom you killed on a cross. Cut to the quick, those who were listening asked, Peter and the other apostles, brothers, brothers, so what do we do? And Peter said, change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our master God invites. And that word change your life, metanoia, is often translated as repent. So repentance is to think again, to turn around, to change your life. So Peter's saying, move, do something, think again, change something. He went on this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out where you can, get out of this sick and stupid culture. And that day about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. Sounds a bit communist to me, but <laughs> no. And hasn't the church been that ever since, right? Just we all sell ourselves. Everyone's cared for. Everyone's looked after. No, they're in harmony together. There's something beautiful that's happening in them through that, through these wonders and signs. So... The gathered in one place, 
like a rushing wind, tongues of fire come upon them. They start speaking in different languages. Uh, Peter goes up, preaches, change your life. This is who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit's testifying to that through speaking in different languages. And then after that, it changes, it changes them in a way that they value each other more, in the way that they surrender their own self-interest. There's a, there's a change that happens and everyone is cared for and their needs are met. And they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, meals at home, celebratory, everyone praising God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. People liked what they saw. It was, it was attractive. There was something new. There was new life coming that was attractive regardless of background. Not everyone liked what they saw because they were about to get persecuted the rest of the book, but more on that later. Not today, another time. So the importance of Pentecost, that's the text. The importance of Pentecost, there's a few things going on here, and I won't go too deep into each and every one of them, but there's um, a few things I kind of want to pull out. The first is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit had been throughout Scripture previously, but often seen in specific locations, whereas in this context, the gift of the Spirit seemed to be distributed. Well, it's the person of the Spirit, it's really, the Holy Spirit's a complex, broad topic, but, and I'll probably get a lot of language wrong within this, as you do when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, but the Spirit comes, the paraclete, the helper, you know, Jesus promises the Spirit to come and help. So um, in the Greek, the word is paraclete, which means helper. So the Spirit helps us do something. Um, uh, the Spirit is there to empower us to do something. And God, in a sense, is doing a new old thing, as we'll see as well. Like, this is not a brand new thing, but it's actually a return to something else. Like, interestingly, a lot of the language we'll see, it's not new language. It's not new language whatsoever. Interestingly, in the sense it said, we've seen it before. We've seen it before all the way back at Sinai and Exodus. Where on earth has a loud wind and fire been? In Sinai, that's where the presence of God was there. In the burning bush, that's where the presence of God is. So it's symbolic of the presence of God coming. Where else have we seen 3,000 people have something done? Well, when Moses comes down from the, from the mountain the first time with the Ten Commandments, and anger and frustration, boom, boom, like the tablets break, and um, I think he goes to Joshua. Uh, this, is, is it, uh, yeah, in this story, 3,000 people are killed. After, after their disobedience. Whereas here, 3,000 people are saved. There's these really interesting parallels happening. But God's doing a new old thing as he expands his community of faith beyond just the Jewish people, but to the ends of the earth, across all languages, right? Across all ethnic boundaries. It's the birth of the global church. This is the birthday of the church in many ways. It's, it's the birthday, but I'd also say, when you look back at Exodus, it's almost like a 21st. It's a coming of age of the community of faith as it spreads, right? So a few things I want to pinpoint here. So, oh, you see there? All the flames. It's actually a mosaic. It's not a picture. Um, but the flames above people's heads, it's dis- the spirit is distinguishing itself on every believer. That, and there's an interesting thing happening here. Three things that change temple, right? So... Temple, the temple of God is a huge theme in Scripture, where, where early on it begins with the, the commandments are housed in the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where God resides. And on the Ark, there's a seat where that was believed where God sat. And then the Ark moves into the Jewish temple, first temple, and then that temple in Jerusalem becomes the, the, the temple of God. And um, then that temple's destroyed, the second temple was built, and then never really was the same. But, uh, but what happens here is there's this interesting picture where the temple had always been a place. It had always been a physical place. But in this story, as we see the wind, as we see the fire, as we see the Spirit, where, as we see the Spirit resting upon every person, there's this huge shift where 
the Spirit of God, the house of God is no longer a physical place, but it's in people. It's in every person, right? It's a huge shift that is no longer a place to go to, but it's whenever we encounter one another, we see the temple. And a temple is where heaven meets earth, right? That's the idea. That's the idea. We see this glimpse of heaven on earth. So um, now as believers, we come to understand that actually each person here houses the Holy Spirit. Each person here is this beautiful combination of heaven and earth. Each person here is the temple of the Holy Spirit where God resides. It's really interesting. It's really beautiful. It's one of the most significant aspects of Pentecost and what happens. Second is um, the law, which is really interesting. It's really interesting to me. The law was written. The law was written on these stone tablets. The law was external. The law was outside of you, right? And then in this moment, that law shifts. And Jeremiah, uh, he prophesies about it. He says the law will be written on their hearts. In Hebrews, the writer references that the law will be written on their hearts, where the law moves from being this external thing that you follow to this internal compass almost that you have to listen to, that you have to be, that you have to be cognizant to. You know, uh, Paul would say it later on. Paul would say, his, his ethical code, we, we often still think in law as an external tick box of yes and rights and wrongs and all that kind of stuff. Paul later on would say, everything is permissible, but it's not necessarily beneficial. Everything is permissible, but it's not necessarily beneficial. Try putting that in your um, like behavioral conduct guides for, for church leadership. You know? <laughs> like, it's complex. And Well, with kids, right? Like, is this okay? Um, well... I don't know how that's going to go. That's messy, right? This law moves from being this clean external tick box to this internal written on the hearts. Like, and we see that. And that was Jesus' focus as well when he walked about talking to people. His focus wasn't on the law. It was the spirit of the law. It's like, is their hearts in the right place? Like, is, so for us, we can do the right thing, but we can be doing it for the wrong motivation. So for us, it's like, how do we get our internal motivation lining up with our external reality? It's messy. It's very messy. This is... This is what it means to be people of the Spirit. And this is the thing. Faith moves from concrete to chaos. It's the concrete stone tablets to something chaotic like wind and fire. Try control wind and fire. Try contain wind and fire. Try capture wind and fire, you know? Spirit, the word ruach in Hebrew, or pneumatos in Greek, that means wind. So to be people of the Spirit is to be people of wind, people of this fire, which is just... I would far prefer it to be, to be the concrete, you know, nice and ordered, but people of the Spirit, it's like, what worked one week for that altar call or whatever? I'm going back to my youth days now. My, what worked for that altar call didn't work this week, but we hit this, you know, there's, there's a dance here. There's a dance to be people of the Spirit in line with our hearts and minds and in line with the chaos of the wind of the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting. This is the shift that happens at Pentecost. So these two dilemmas we have, obsession and avoidance. What do we do with it? What do we do with it, right? Because we all may rest in one camp of this, either being obsessed over this or, or being avoidant. And a, a response to obsession, I would suggest, is that the fruits supersede the gifts. The fruits of the Spirit supersede the gifts of the Spirit. So as we engage in this life of the Spirit, so often it's the, um, the supernatural aspects of healing or speaking in tongues or prophetic words or all that kind of stuff that gets our attention. But... In Scripture, we see that the fruits are the most important thing. Paul in Corinthians would say, without love, like all your prophetic, that's clanging gong, right? Like everything of this must lead to something greater. And you see, the Holy Spirit leads to ethical change in the text of Acts 2. 
the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and moving people's lives, it later leads to them sharing everything, caring for one another, looking after one another. So for us who are obsessed with um, the heavenly supernaturals, the reality is like, God didn't design us to avoid our real life just for the sake of worship songs. He designed us to live our real life empowered by what he's doing in our life. The fruit of the Spirit supersedes the gifts that whenever the Holy Spirit moves, it leads to ethical change, which should bear fruit in our lives to be more loving, kind, patient, self-controlled, joyful, all this kind of stuff. And in a response to obsession, right, there's there's a disposition of humility and honesty. There's a disposition of a posture of, I guess, what your will be done, God. And I've really appreciated um, I'm not, Wimberisms on this one, right? Like, I'm not a natural vineyard, right? But there seems to be this mythical character called John Wimber where the, um, where the whole, it's, still, it's, a, it's a rumor to me. I hear whispers. I, I, feel like, I feel like Paul trying to make sense of Jesus 20, 30 years and never meeting the guy, right? But he seemed to have a really good approach, right, around um, around things of the Spirit, like inner service, right? I'm used to the thing where it's like, okay, we're going to have the lighting like this, and then the synth pad come up like this, and then, oh, no, somebody did the notices really bad, or that was a terrible, like, kind of sermon, or this kind of stuff, right? The Spirit's obviously not going to move. John Weber didn't seem to be that way. I had a video come up on my Instagram feed the other day where he was just openly talking about how frustrated he was that the Spirit moved on Mother's Day. It's just so inconvenient. So many visitors that would have thought it was weird. and all, You know what I mean? It's like that disposition of like, if God moves, he's going to move. You know, like I remember another one where he was talking about um, like stopping a healing meeting for lunch. And I can't remember where I heard the story. Stopping a healing meeting for lunch. And obviously it's like, but God's moving. Like, what are you doing? And I think his response was, well, if, God, if it's God, he'll move when we get back. I'm hungry. You know, like, but there's that aspect of like, like, I just, I'm really beginning to like this John character, you know? I need to watch more of his videos or listen to, it's probably all on tapes, right? That was the era of tapes and cassettes, but um, there's this space of, like, if God's going to move, God's going to move. Like, we don't need to force anything. We don't need to, like, it's a, it's a lights-on, music-down kind of, like, ministry space. So with that said, I'd like to invite up the band. No, I'm joking. That will be, be later on. Um, but a response to avoidance, right, and I've been thinking about this more for myself, is, is that surrender is greater than control. Um, and the big thing, all of us at times, we will settle for an easy answer because it gives us a, f- a sense of control, but it's often, a, it's often a superficial or the wrong answer, you know? We'll settle for something simple that we can understand, even if it's incorrect. So the easy thing is to, um, on one side, be like, well, that's, that's spiritual. You know, it's like, well, actually, it probably could use a lot of counseling or a, or a psychologist. The other side is to be like, well, that's that's." That's only psychological. It's like, well, there's spiritual aspects to all this kind of stuff as well. Like, so within this, can we surrender our need for certainty and cheap answers, right? Can we open ourselves and our lives to the complexity of this world and actually these, these big things, powers, principalities, forces that seem to evade easy answers? And again, it's a disposition of humility and honesty. And um, I don't have a story around this from one book because I've only seen two videos, but I'm sure some, one, of, one of you will, but I imagine there's something in Scripture around there as well. But with humility and honesty, they're two principles that I think guide us because humility means that I don't have the answers and none of us have them. So we all need to keep being learning and being aware. And honesty means that we can just name truth as it is, right? So like, when it comes to healing, when it comes to gifts of the Spirit, it's like the best principle is like, if you don't have a prophetic word, don't make one up. 
you know? Like, like if later on we go back into a time of ministry, it, I, like, I'm not comfortable with no one having anything because I'll, I'll go like self-fledged and just, well, I must have done something wrong. Like, no, I'm joking. It's just a, um, like if nothing happens, nothing happens. You know what I mean? Or with healing, right? It's like if you don't get healed, like just be honest about it, right? Like, like, and it will save us a whole lot of time. But obviously being in the position of being in a meeting where it's like, somebody please, like, like somebody please have a word, you know. It's very awkward to just stand there or sit there and be like, oh, we got nothing today, thanks, God. You know? like, but what will be will be, right? And, and why would we waste time pretending, right? You save a lot of energy by just telling the truth whenever it is, right? And being in a space of humility and honesty. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.